1: Sweet Dooligate, sweet gate is the place I do adore And all young men and maidens that dwelt in
0: it before A small and terraced house in Harman's Gardens, Drogheda is where this musician was introduced to music. From these humble beginnings, he went on to become not only a renowned singer and songwriter, but an important collector of traditional Irish songs, a member of the nationally and internationally acclaimed voice squad, who brought their unique harmonies all over the world and worked with some of the greats of Irish traditional music.
1: let them all say what they will keep
0: Hello, Jerry. Thank you. Good to, see, see, you. You. How's it Good to go? see you. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you very very much. the right house. I think I have. I counted. I'm not telling you which way I'm voting. Okay, okay. That <laughs> <to> spoils everything. <laughs> I, don't, I just have to spoil it. This is a non canvassing visit. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Would okay. I like come in? Yes, thank you. I would. Thank you for allowing us into your beautiful home, Jerry. Well,
1: thank you very much. Not a lot of people say that.
0: <laughs> um. You grew up in Harman's Gardens, the not in uh, actually, quite close to my mum, I think, mm, round right the corner. Right, and there were there were small houses, two up, two down. Okay, mm. and
1: there were quite a few of you. big family. There were there would have been sixteen. My mother lost two after the eldest, and um, she was told not to have any more, so she went on and had thirteen. Okay, uh, must have had a spite, I think. But so at the time, uh, there wouldn't have been much traffic in Harbin's Garden, so played football in all the games up in the street. Mm-hmm. And across the road now where the Lord's Church is was a huge wall. So we used to play stuff against that. And in behind the wall was uh, vegetables for the medical missionaries uh, who lived, who were just across the road from us. The orchards and things which were regularly thruffed. So that was that. We went to school in the, in the paddies, St, St.
0: Patrick's, around the corner up near where your mum lived. Mm-hmm. So when did music first become a thing for you was there always music in the house or was it something that
1: well we sort of i was sort of in the middle in the middle of the family so you get lost when you're i mean they talk about the middle child of three but she's the middle child of 14 for christ's sake um i'm still lost and uh my elder brother jack who's deceased now but he he was a great singer very good singer he was in choirs and things and generally with boys, and, and with families as well, uh, there are sort of traditions that are upheld to a certain extent, you know. So he was in St Peter's Choir, and then my two older brothers joined St Peter's Choir when it came to their age. And I joined when I was seven, so Eugene Mooney was the, was the choir master. Now, Eugene was tough, but he was, uh, he'd was jump off the organ in St Peter's and come up and smack you, on the, and he'd say, Listen to the organ! <laughs> <laughs> because people would be going to sleep, you know, fellas would be wandering off the notes and, and, and things, so, um, and uh, at school as well, the, 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 there used to be, uh, every year there was a school's concert where um, where each school in the town put on um, a, a show. So the two or three really clever teachers in, in our school, Seamus and and, um, well, we refer to him as Stinks Campbell, Mr. Campbell, who's the, the, the headmaster, and... Uh, and they used to put words to songs that were common. This is this, like the mid '50s. So and so then, when I was in about fifth class, so the late '50s, uh, uh, the, I was I was on some of those concerts. Uh, I was on that concert for that year and the following year in fifth class and sixth class. And you dress up. The first one I was a, a girl. I was one of the maids in blue. And the second year I moved up a bit. I was a, a solicitor. Okay. So So between that, the bit of singing. I just, you took it for granted, uh, Steve. You didn't know that you could sing. You didn't know that nobody else could not sing. You didn't know without You just you just moved on, and that was that. You know, at the time as well, um, I met uh, in the choir in St. Peter's. I met Sean Corcoran for the first time. Okay. So that's from seven or eight or nine years of age. Okay. okay. So I still know Sean pretty good. Um, so really it was that, Steve, you know, there, there, there was some singing in the house. We used to run concerts ourselves and thing, ourselves, and even around in Bohobroa we'd go to other people you'd pay a halfpenny or a penny in, okay. into the yard and you'd do some singing and stuff. You know, so you would a stage a concert yeah. in the yard? Some of the people from uh, Bohobroa would come in to our house, the back of our house, in the yard and they would sit down and they would listen to songs and things or they would sing, themselves, sing it themselves. So that was a bit of crack, yeah. a bit of fun. And then the only other musical sort of uh, uh, interlude, if you like, that I had was I used to play the sewing machine at home. So my mother said, this guy is interested in music. So uh, she sent me down to Miss Crilly anyway, when I was in Fair Street. And we didn't have a piano, so she would send me upstairs to practice. So I played certain things. My downfall was the Blue Danube. Okay. I was in the middle of the blue yeah. danube when I struck two or three wrong notes and she whacked me across the fingers with, uh, with her knitting needle or whatever it was right. and I said music is just too painful for me so, <laughs> so I give the piano a break. and <laughs> well, that was Did it. you know so how painful it, it would nev- become I in later never years? <laughs> I, never, I never went back to the piano anyway, not for, not for lessons, that was, that was wow. my, my last lessons. Then.
0: And can I ask, without jumping too far ahead in mm. the story, at what point did you start to play guitar? Well,
1: well. After the Paddies, I went to St. Joe's. Yep. There, there were very few from the St. Paddies that went to secondary school in those days. Okay, the reason was that the fees were three. There were three terms, and the fees were a tenner a term, mm-hmm. and a tenner was a week's wages. Yeah. For my father. Okay, and when I went into first year in secondary school, then I happened to get a scholarship which paid the fees, and uh, uh, from there all the way through, I met Sean Corcoran again. And then I mean, you, you're probably tired of hearing this, Steve, but the, the people that are in my class, there was Sean Corcoran who plays with Cram now as a collector of music and everything else. There's Eamon Campbell who played with the Dubliners. Uh, Eamon in fifth and sixth year was out doing show bands and he'd be in late every Monday morning. And he'd say, I slept, it, sorry, I slept it. Do you have your exercise? And, no, I don't, I don't. And he'd say, I was up until he go. So <laughs> I only got in at five o'clock, you know, got back at five o'clock from the gig and had to get four, three or four hours sleep or whatever and then into school. And, and uh, so he was terrific. such a great musician, Amy, and you know, just passed away uh, last year. And Brian Leahy, who's my great, my, my great mate, and his, his brother Sean as well. Both of them were in the same class, but... Myself and Sean Corker and Brian Lee were really tight buddies mm. uh, in fifth and sixth year. We were just basically inseparable, and that's when I started learning guitar when I was uh, maybe about fifth uh, year, fifth year okay. in school. And we just had the crack. We uh, got hold of uh, Bob Dylan's first album. Mm. Molly Reed had it. His nano sister. Okay. Okay. Who had the pub in in James Street? And we used to go over there and play a little bit. And so we learned every single song that was on it, you know. And we used to get to sing out of these magazines with all the, uh, all the American singers of Phil Oakes and Pete uh, Seeger and all these, all these guys. So we were very, when we were young, very eclectic. I mean, it might be the word I don't know, but
0: do anything and everything. You know, so okay. So th- so this actually brings us to a very crucial part of the story now, hmm. in a way, because. Singers from the area would know that a large part of the reason we have a lot of uh, the songs that are associated with this area and that Mm. they're still sung nowadays is because of kind of what happened next. At what point did you guys, uh, yourself and Sean Corcoran and et al, discover that there were singers locally who had these extraordinary... Troves of songs mm. that, because that, that happened quite young, didn't it? Weren't you yeah, young well, with i tell you, we were like
1: 16, 17, 18, that sort of age, and um, Sean's mother was very interested in setting up uh, a historical, local historical society, her among other people, and so she set up a meeting in the, the White Horse for the inaugural meeting of the Old Rotters Society. Okay, so I was at that, and Sean was at that, and Cecil Popchai was at it. And there we met Mrs. Carberry for the first time. And we met Nano Reed. And we met Molly Reed.
0: And there's lots more to hear about this meeting of Mrs. Carberry and the Reed sisters, but you have to stay tuned until after this short break. Stay with us. We've lots more to chat about with the wonderful Jerry Cullen. So, Molly was very interested in music as well as Mrs. Carberry. And Mrs. Carberry
1: said, uh, why did you come down to to the, to the pub? I mean, you're too young to go into the pub, but come into the kitchen and play. Anytime you want to play music and stuff, you can come down. And uh, there was no music there in Carberry's at the time. Yeah. Okay. It was through Mrs. Carberry that when Sean, after leaving search, Sean started, he did science for a year, I think, same as myself. And uh, he jumped science then and went into Celtic Studies or some area like that. And... Uh, it was true that, and a little bit later, that he started getting an interest in local songs. Sean mm. was the first. And uh, through Mrs Carby then, Mrs Carby had connections with people whom she played with when she was younger. Okay, Because in my time, and my understanding of, of, of what, ha- what the music thing in Drogheda at, when I was young was, there wasn't any. Mm. There was one guy who played on the, the box. But uh, the whole Irish thing was really looked down upon. Uh, it wasn't, you know, nobody was interested in it whatsoever. There was no interest. And it seemed to be like a throwback of from, I don't know, Victorian times or certainly anti, anti-Irish anti stuff anyway, do you know? It was through, uh, through Mrs Carby that uh, Sean came
0: across... PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
1: Several, several people now. the people in R.D. and uh, uh, Bridgie Komsky, I think, in, in Mel. And, um, but especially Mary Carolyn, who's mm-hmm. the big linchpin of, of, of all of this here. Um, because at that time, this is in the very early 60s, Mary Ann Carolyn or Mary Ann Usher, her father, Pop Usher, it was 93, was recorded by Kieran MacMahuna. Okay. okay. Uh, and he sang The Wedding of Sweet Baltray, And he mentioned that this year was written by this guy called Shields. And his songs that were, a lot of them were quite similar, but all about localities like Bewley or Mornington, the Maid of Mornington, mm-hmm. the brilliant bright torch of R.D. Mm-hmm. Where could you go wrong with that? Other? Mm-hmm. The Maid of Coul- Coulfjord, um, uh, Garristown Jack, and all these, all these place names were were always lobbed in, uh, and eight verses in every song.
0: And uh, would you be happy to give us a, a verse or two of something by um, uh,
1: I'll just have to, you'd give me one second to think which one. Uh, okay. Now, so I like this one here, and I, I said I'd put a, an air to it, and I'd and I'd sing it. Mm-hmm you love sportin and maids to be courtin it's you that i wish to give ear to my tale and pity my folly for jokin with dolly that gave me this slip where the slip with a ragman set sail in Mel I first knew her, and there, to be sure, She looked like an angel, though plainly arrayed. I hard did endeavour to get in her favour The nice little, neat little factory maid. Although, being a tailor, I thought I could nail her, I made her my purse-bearer, that is the fact. Six pounds in hard kelters, I thought that might melt her from love's killin crucible, not to retract. But poor simple Terry, how can I be merry or ever again trust a dandified jade? How can I be jolly when I think on Dolly, the nice little neat little factory maid? One evening I met her, I cannot forget her close by to green hills on the banks of the Boyne, for sweet recreation, like wise conversation, we both walked together, I think until nine. It made me a martyr to think for to part her. I ne'er thought this villain she could me betray. I ne'er did suspect her, and still did respect her. The nice little neat little factory made I need another
0: one. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> like as a like as a young man, um, you know, really excited by music and and uh, you know buying sing out magazine and mm. getting to discover you were sitting on this absolute treasure trove of of you know local uh, music mm. which was relatively unknown mm. or completely unknown, completely perhaps unknown, you could say, yeah. yeah. I mean, your head must have just exploded. It must have been so exciting. It, yes and no. It's like one of
1: those things, Steve, really. I mean, when, you're, when you're young, you, you don't. You mooch into this gradually, you know. As time went on, we had big festivals in Drahada when we were in our, in our, in our 20s. Now, we had big festivals called Féil de Bona. Mm. And we had like 120 singers, you know, from all over the country, like. Darroch O'Cohen and Nicholas Tobin with, with the Irishman, and then uh, Paddy Tunney and Frank Hart, and the great singers that are all dead, all dead now. Mm. And luckily, all their songs are preserved somewhere. Somebody is singing their songs. Mm. Because I've read stories of people who, like at the turn of the century, turn of the previous century and in the early 20s, when there was no recording equipment or anything, and they were saying that uh, their greatest... Uh, Sorrow was the fact that they had
0: hundreds of songs and nobody knew them, Mm. and they were dying with them. So at this point, can we talk then about the formation of the voice squad around Mm. this time then? Mm. How did that come about? We used to do stuff
1: in harmony anyway, myself and Brian and Sean and stuff, you know, and we sort of said at some, there must have been some sort of a conscious decision We said, we well, look, we must just try one or two. The Clancy Brothers or the Irish, something Irish, anyway. And just do it, uh, try something unaccompanied, you know. Yes. And so myself and Brian and Fran did that once or twice, just for the crack, just for ourselves. In the meantime, between the years between college, I spent in London. Okay, so I used to go to a club in London. Uh, Les Cousins down in Soho yeah. and this is a music club first time I heard The Young Tradition three-part harmony a cappella or unaccompanied singing you know just I could I'd never heard anything like it in my life just three people singing unaccompanied music in harmony and, and just I just thought it was astonishing you know this is a place that anybody who was playing in London would come to uh, after their gig Okay. And you had the likes of you had the big, big names, you had Paul Simon and those, who, he wasn't huge at the time, you know. And when we came back, then we decided just to do the Irish, do the Irish um, songs. And out of the blue, there was a concert in Belfast dedicated to loud musicians, okay, and the three of us were invited up see somebody wrote a report on the thing anyway and we got to mention about the three of us singing and they just said that it was incredible they hadn't heard anything like it we were, who are these You know, who are these guys and why have we not heard about them we have to go down to Drahada to hear Drahada was always full of music anyway really but but a different sort of music uh, like with choral groups and with choirs and things it was always noted for so we got a few gigs here and there and we never called ourselves anything you know just we were just where what we were after Brian died, we talked to Phil a year or two later, and Phil said he wouldn't mind coming in and joining.
0: So we had to switch because I used to take the middle, the middle the middle harmony. Okay. So at this point, like through the nineteen eighties into the nineteen nineties, mm. career-wise for the voice squad, mm. looking back on it now and looking at the list of achievements at that time. Mm. This, this 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 was a huge thing. The voice squad became mm. a huge thing. There were two extremely successful albums, mm. uh, "Many Foolish Youth" and and Hollywood, mm. and then the collaborations. Mm. Um, the first time I ever heard the voice squad was I was on a, I was in college and I was on a bus and um, Dave Fanning played um, the version of "Full Force Gale" oh, wow. by Van Morrison that you recorded with Elvis Costello, mm-hmm. um, and then. I got the, the Bring Out All Back Home mm. uh, documentary series and album. And you were on that too. Mm. And suddenly there was this, you, you seemed to be kind of, mm. um, no, no, no. yeah. <laughs> not, quite, not quite. under the, Still under the radar. <laughs> did it feel meteoric or did it just not feel taught. like?
1: Okay. Not at all. It was not far from it, Stephen. And still doesn't. Because uh, we said even then, even at that time, like especially myself and this, my I said, look, I'm, t- I'm a teacher, okay, at this stage, okay, I'm teaching science and maths. And getting a regular wage and you're sort of saying how are you going to earn six or seven hundred euro or pounds as it was a week at this thing here you know there's only so many venues there's only so much stuff you can do let's just keep our jobs
0: and uh, and uh, do this here when we can mm. bringing it up to the present Um, the voice squad it seems are as big or bigger now than ever before like you've been the last several years you did finally release that third album mm-hmm. um and uh you've been fairly constantly touring uh, it's been you're on the radio you're on tv all the time you're on you know mm-hmm. it's like you're you're it's... extremely present uh, right mm-hmm. now it seems like mm-hmm. um is this why did it suddenly I'm, I know that it never uh, went away but there, there has been a resurgence. It's, we did take a break. Uh, there were
1: sort of family things. strand was moving to Galway, and Phil was was moving. The family things that that or that came into play for about eight or nine years. We didn't see see each other. We uh, we never wrote to one another. We never rang one another. We never uh, inquired after each other. But we knew we were all there, sort of thing, you know. And uh, so what happened was. Um, Myself and Phil had done one or two uh, recording sessions with Barry Gleason, mm-hmm. and Brent, Brendan, brother Brennan. Barry's a great great Dublin singer. So Barry said, is there any chance you get Fran in for this song here? So, so I rang Fran and then I said, no, Fran, I know you're going to probably say no, which is always a good way to
0: start. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and of course he said
1: yes. <laughs> So he said yes. We could put up to Dublin and we we did we did the recording for Barry and stuff. And I said, said to the boys this, uh, will this would we would we do a few go back and, and learn a few things. And so we spent a couple of months, going through our sort of repertoire, or whatever. And uh, as I said, we're still the same. We we get eight, nine, ten good gigs, nice gigs a year. Perfect. That's all. That's that's absolutely dead on. We don't don't anymore. Yeah. And as we want to give one another space. We don't want to live in one another's faces or ears. We, we want stuff to be we want to enjoy the stuff that we do,
0: you know. We, we well, so okay, so it's coming up to FLA time, mm-hmm. uh, and actually, th- we should mention the the Voice Squad show mm. uh, in the flat, um, with uh, which is a double bill with um, Dennis Cahill and and Martin Hayes. How do you feel about the FLA coming to draw? It? Well, that's absolutely. Fantastic!
1: It's, it's unbelievable. Okay, and I know from the, the stuff that we did in the seventies, the failures that we ran, and how well received they were. And it's going to be going to be terrific,
0: you know, absolutely. And there'll be wall to wall music. Jerry Cullen. Thank you so much for your hospitality and your stories and uh, and and for the songs.
1: You're most welcome. Most
0: welcome, Steve. Anytime. Here's a cool fact.